0: I am going to, you know, Bill and, uh, and I and Tom and Lynn, and we've been meeting over the last year just praying over our region and praying over what God wants to do in our region and, and, and in our churches and, and all that stuff. And uh, my my heart for Bill continues to just enlarge. I love this man. I love his uh, the, the gift of God that he is. But would you, um, many of you don't know him as well as I do, and, uh, but would you just, just give him a new covenant welcome as he comes forward, and let's just bless him. Amen. Let's just thank him for coming, and, and let's just bless him. Amen. Thank you. Amen. I love you, Bill, and I just bless you in the name of Jesus. And I just want you to know, we receive uh, the word that God's placed inside of you, and I just pray that uh, God would use you to open our eyes, and that we might see what God's wanting, to use, wanting us to see. Thank Bless you, you. Love you, buddy.
1: Hello. Does this move, brother? Yes.
0: You want
1: down? Yeah. You guys are so far away, man. How are you today? I'm excited to be here, and uh, I just believe that today's message is going to be something that is really important for our region, but before I get to there, I want to introduce my ministry partner. This is Denny Oaks, and uh, his wife, Lisa, came with him today, yeah. and uh, he travels travels with me wherever I go in the States, and uh, and the Lord's starting to speak to him about the international stuff, so that'll be good, that'll be good. Praise the Lord Before we get started, uh, just a couple things Um, Just as we were praying and seeking the Lord at the beginning I just, uh, and hopefully this got taken care of over with the ministry team But uh, I just sensed that there was somebody with some pain in the outside of their right knee Um, Some cartilage missing maybe Is anybody here just having some pain in your right knee? Anybody? Okay, good I mean, it's not good. It's good that it's going to go. <laughs> Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay, good. If you two would just stand up. Anybody else you want to get in on this? Um, all right, let's just put our hands towards these people. Yeah, a word of knowledge on the shoulder. We'll get to that in a minute because I have a specific place. All right? So, Lord Jesus, we just want to say thank you, God, that you care and you know. In uh, the Sermon on the Mount, you say, before we ever ask, you already know and you care. And so I just pray, Lord, that right now that you would begin to move with healing uh, in, the, in this knee area, Lord. I just pray, Lord, uh, uh, at least one, there's been some removal of cartilage. I just pray, Lord, for a, for a creative miracle right there, Lord, that you would just smooth that out. And we just pray, Lord, for real flexibility in those knees and for the pain to go. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you would just check your knee, just go ahead and check it, move it, see if there's any any change. Feels good. Feels good, all right. You doing good, all right. Well, let's thank the Lord for that. Um, there's uh there was a word of knowledge for shoulder and uh and it can be anywhere. I I prayed for a lady when I first came in for shoulder, but but uh, but uh, this one specifically in the left, left down a little bit underneath the uh, just below the, sh- the top of the shoulder and before the shoulder blade. So if that's you, go ahead and stand up. Okay, go ahead and stand up right where you're at. Anybody else? Absolutely. Absolutely. Anybody else? Anybody else? Cool. All right, let's just get it all. Okay? So if you would, let's again, let's just reach out to these people. We're just going to see the Lord. You know, he's just, he's so gracious. It's exciting. Somebody could, uh, somebody could move over here. All right, Lord Jesus, we just thank you that, uh, that you know and that you care, Lord. And we just thank you that you're healing right now. Just, <laughs> Check it out. There's some heat coming in right now, some real heat. Just, there you go, there you go. In Jesus' name, we just thank you, Lord, for these shoulders that are loosening up for the pain to go. One last one and this one's the most important and maybe nobody will want to stand up on this one but but um while we're in worship I just sense that there was somebody that was really really struggling this week with some major a major attack of depression and so I'm not going to I'm not going to call you out but you know who you are and in fact uh in fact you heard a specific word that it'd be better if you weren't alive and uh and you you kind of entertained it for a little bit. You know the Lord, but, but you kind of entertained that thought. So if you would, let's just all just uh, raise our hands, and we're just going to take authority over that. Father, in the name of Jesus, we know that there are many people under the attack of the enemy, and I just pray, Lord, right now we come against the spirit of suicide. We come against that depression which would try to steal us of our life, and we just pray, Lord, right now for that person to know the very fact that this got called out today that you know and that you care and that you would go to any length to save their life. So I just pray, Lord, for this person today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the, the Lord a hand. Amen. Well, again, my name is Bill Roberts, and, uh, and I'm one of the elders at Christ Fellowship Church over by Shirley. And uh, today I want to talk about an apostolic church. Um, how many of you know that the church is in trouble? And, and this is not going to be a downer sermon, but man, the church is in trouble. And it used to be that we charismatic Pentecostals, word of faith, whatever you, whatever you are, you know, who knows what we are anymore. But, uh, it used to be that, you know we would look at the mainline churches and we'd say, "Aha, you know we know why you're going down." But, but now it's to the place where even charismatic and Pentecostal churches are beginning to really, really decrease. When we started uh, working together in the region, uh, in a group called ReNet, there were several churches, and most of them, you know, were running well over 100 people now we've had churches that are totally gone totally gone that have been part of who we are and just totally gone and other churches down to 30 or 40 in our region and there's only really two or three churches in our region that we started with that are still viable and that it it's a horrible thing it's a horrible horrible thing you know church attendance in, uh, in the West, and especially in America, is decreasing at an alarming rate. Did you know that? Yeah. You know, a lot of people say that they're born, ag- born again. But in fact, listen to me today, of people that are in Bible-believing churches, people that call themselves members, that would say that they're born-again Christians, of all of those people, less than 17% of those people are in services today. Less than 17%. Does that scare you? Does that scare you for your kids? In order just to keep up with population growth, and how many of you understand that the population growth in America is not that rapid? It's not like the rest of the world. But in America, next year, we need 10,000 new churches just to keep up with the population growth. And we are not planting churches, churches are closing at an alarming rate. And today, I want to talk to you about why the church is decreasing. But I don't want to just talk about why, I want to fix it. Wouldn't it be good to fix it? Amen. And that's why we're meeting, that's why Eric and Lynn and Tom that's why we're meeting is because we don't want we don't want to just play uh play songs while the ship goes down, you know? We don't want to be those on the Titanic that are just playing nearer my god to thee waiting for the end while the ship goes down. We want to do something about it. And I believe that that's the kind of church that New Covenant Worship Center is. Well the reason that the church is dying in America is because The church in America has become a consumer-oriented church. Our entire culture is materialistic and consumer-oriented. The things that, that have value to us are the things that bring some kind of pleasure to us. And so our entire lives are just filled with consumerism. And that's the way that we now look at church. We choose what church we attend. Now think about that. I know that you're happy here. Thank God for that. But if you were in that process of finding this church and and you went through that, I'm sure that you started thinking about the church you wanted to go to according to your need. So if you had kids, you looked for a church with a great... Children's ministry. Amen? Doesn't that sound right? Man, I got kids. I want to I go to church with a great church program. And if you really are into music, it, so you're looking for a church with a great worship program. Thank God you came here, right? And if you're a real word person and you love the word, you're looking for great Teaching. You want to go to a church with great teaching. And if you just want to disappear for a while, just sit in a a pew, come and go, nobody know you, then you're looking for a church with big, big size, right? And so people all over America are looking for churches that meet their felt need. And the crazy thing about it is that churches have bought into it. So we're not going to pray in tongues anymore because it might offend somebody. And we know that they're consumers. And if they don't like us, they won't come back. We're really not interested in impacting our communities with the gospel of Jesus, but in meeting our own felt needs. And if that church doesn't meet my need... There's a bunch of other ones, and I'm going to go shopping till I find one. That's the church in America today. It's the church in the West. But yet I don't know a single serious Christian who's not thrilled by reading the account of the church in the book of Acts. Amen? How many of you love the book of Acts? Come on, let me see your hands just for a minute, just to know that you're still awake. Man, if you're serious about God at all, when you start reading the book of Acts, you are all about it, man. We love, we love reading about the miracles. We do. I love the miracles. And we're thrilled about reading when we read about the growth in the New Testament, you know. There at Christ Fellowship Church, we can be just going all along and just everybody's just happy, happy, happy. And then we watch Duck Dynasty too. But everybody's happy, happy, happy. And then all of a sudden, you know, all I got to do, if everybody's just a little bit lazy, all I got to do is suddenly (laughs) there was a sound (laughs) like a mighty rushing wind. And all of a sudden, man, people start jumping up and getting happy because we love Pentecost. And we love when the Holy Ghost came down. We love that. And then we love the fact that 3,000 people gave their hearts to Jesus on that day. And then a little later, you know, a crippled man gets healed and 2,000 more, 5,000 people in the kingdom. We love that. And we're excited about how quickly the church expanded through the entire known world. We read about the missionary journeys of Paul. And we love that when it says, these men that have turned the world upside down have come to us also. We love that, don't we? Yeah. I think we do. And not even persecution could stop them. So let me ask you this. And I saw that you got a place for notes. Uh, notes in your, in your bulletins. We call them announcement sheets. A little bit thrown you know, it's worth going to another church, man. I mean, you don't even call it right. But <laughs> If you want to take notes, I think it'd be important because I know, I know where you're going. I know where you're going to end up. And the reason that I know that is because I know that this is a church that hears the voice of God. Amen. And God is moving all over the world, but especially in this region, I know where you're going. And this morning, you're going to get an insight into where your church is going. Not because I'm preaching it to you, but because this is the way that the Lord says that we must all go. Are you ready for that? So what's the difference between the, t- the church of today and the church in the book of Acts? Write this down. The church of the New Testament was an apostolic church. Now, I'm not talking... Some of you probably have been around long enough that you think, when somebody says it's an apostolic church, you think it's a oneness church. Okay? You know what oneness is? That's when, they, when they, they're modalists. They believe that sometimes God was the Father, sometimes He was the Son, sometimes He's the Holy Spirit... There's only one God. We're Trinitarian. We believe Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, okay? So don't get nervous. But when I start talking about an apostolic church, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the New Testament church based on the foundation of the apostles. And that's the biggest problem. You're going to see that in just a minute. Let's turn in our Bibles. And if you've been around long enough, you can your Bible just flop open to this. Ephesians chapter 4. Okay? Ephesians chapter four, you doing okay? Doing great. All right. Ephesians four. We're gonna start with verse eleven. Really, really familiar. So Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. By every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So we've been talking about this for a long, long time. Actually, you know, the, the revelation of the apostle and the prophet came back to the church maybe 20, 25 years ago, actually. And so if you would say to our kinds of churches, would you say, do you believe in apostles? We would say, yeah, we believe in that. And if you say, do you believe in the prophetic? We would say, you know, Mike would say, well, we're going to teach you about it. And, and, and we just had a, a prophetic roundtable over at our church just a couple of weeks ago. And we believe in the prophetic. We really, really do. We believe in pastors, teachers, evangelists. We believe in all those things. And there's been a return to the teaching of the fivefold ministry. But unfortunately, that's where most of it's remained. And we're going to try to fix that because we need to get back to the correct foundation. Turn back just a couple pages to Ephesians chapter 2. I just bought me a new Bible this this week. Worst thing you can ever do. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Man, I'd rather just be beat than have a new Bible. Ephesians chapter 2, 19. Through 22. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Now, listen to this. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Now, we've been trying for all of these years. I remember when you were down the street in that little bitty building up by uh, past McDonald's. I remember that. And God's been building you up into a mighty church. Thank God for that. Man, I was so glad to hear you paid off your building. Thank you, Jesus, for that. And and. You're being built into this beautiful dwelling place of the Spirit of God. But the problem is not your building. Over by Shirley, we got this thing called the Octagon House. How many of you have ever been to Shirley? And and there's now a community center called the Octagon House. This thing was built way back in the 1800s, and it was way out in the country, and it had just begun to deteriorate. And a man in Shirley decided that, that that building was such an architectural beauty that he, we needed to save that, but it wasn't going to be saved out in the country. And so what they did is they went in and they jacked up the octagon house and they brought in trucks and they moved that beautiful building into Shirley and set it on a new foundation. Your church is beautiful. Your people are beautiful. You love God. You love the Holy Spirit. You've got a burden for souls. You are a beautiful building in God. The problem is, like most churches in America, we're built on the wrong foundation. The modern church, listen, is based on the foundation of the pastor. It's a huge problem. It's a huge problem. Now, before we get any further, how many of you remember we read Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, and it said there are 5 full ministry. There's the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. So we need to say thank God for all of them. Amen? Amen? Come on, let's just say thank God for all of them. Man, and I've known Eric for a long time, and there is no bigger heart in this entire region. Amen. Man, this man cries for you. He prays for you. He believes for you. And Tom loves you, and, and, and you have such good leadership here. So I want, before we go any further, I want you to understand that I am not here to criticize your church. Or to criticize the men of God that he's put in in this place because you've got the best. But the problem is, is that churches, when they get built on the foundation of the pastor, it gets us all cattywampus and it makes us into a consumer-oriented church. Because a pastoral foundation is local. It's local. Yes. How many of you have read the book, The Shack? Did you read The Shack? Now, don't judge me, but I like the book. Okay? Don't judge me. But the thing is, is that there were some parts of that book that were really, really good. But the problem is, is that most of us, because we've got this pastoral foundation, we get that view of God as a, as a big, loving yeah woman with good cook. You know? And and that's the way that we get to thinking about God. And we get to thinking about our churches are just there to pinch our cheeks and say, Baby God loves you so much and everything's gonna be fine, baby. And that's how we live. And if somebody stubs their toe, the whole church goes because We don't want anybody to be lost from our church. We don't want anybody to go to another church. We don't want them to go anywhere else because it's all about maintaining locally. The pastoral foundation is all about maintaining what you've got. If you take a look at the book of Acts... There was nothing about staying. And every time they tried to stay, if they wouldn't move, God would send a persecution, kill a few people and move them out because it was built on a different foundation. It was built on the foundation of the apostle. There's been a return to apostolic understanding, but not to apostolic foundations. Brothers and sisters, we're beginning to hear the rumblings of a kingdom mentality. We use the language. It's just like fivefold ministry. We use the language, but it's a whole other thing between talking about the kingdom and living the kingdom. It's a whole other thing of talking about fivefold ministry and living under fivefold ministry. And it's time for us to jack up the building and get the foundation laid. Somebody needs to say amen. amen. We're not trying to build a church. Can I just say that one more time? Because it feels so good. We're not trying to build a church. We're trying to offer a kingdom back to God. If you read the book of revelation what is it all about it's not about it never talks about saying man i want to offer christ fellowship church to god and we think about that we we listen to that song until we're blue in the face thank you for giving to and so we get this mentality that we pastors our whole thing is we're going to stand before god and our prize is going to be the people behind us But that's not it at all. It is that we're to present a people, a nation, a culture, an ethnic group. We're to present East Central Indiana to God. That's what we're to present. Not New Covenant, not Christ Fellowship, not Wellspring, but a people unto God. Can somebody say amen? That's why we exist today. And it's time for us to take East Central Indiana for Jesus. It's time. Man, I'm tired of talking about it. I'm, I'm getting old. I came to Shirley area when I was 22 years old. I'm not that anymore. And it's time for us to do what we've dreamed of doing. Can somebody just say Amen. All right, how are we going to do it? Tired of whining. Aren't you tired of whining? Tired of wishing what your church could be? Man, let's just do it. All right, we're going to fix it. We're going to become an apostolic church. So, we're going to take a look at three apostolic churches in the book of acts and we're going to take a look at what was significant about those churches And i promise you i am not a long preacher i'm not but we're going to see some things that i believe are going to get you excited about what new covenant can be amen so first of all let's take a look at the church of antioch so turn to acts chapter 13 The church of Antioch, and if you're going to write it down, write this down. The church of Antioch was ascending church. Ascending church. Acts 13, 1, 2, and 3. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, uh, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul... And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Now, if you don't know much about the church of Antioch, the church of Antioch had exploded. It was just, it was just going great guns. I mean, it was Unbelievable. Some people say that by this time the church of Antioch was running about a hundred thousand people, they were taking care of 10,000 widows every day. Now, it was a church. Now, the church was a cutting edge church. Now, if you come into New Covenant Worship Center and you sit here for very long, you know that this is a cutting-edge church. You know, it's not content with just going through the motions. This is a cutting-edge church, and so was Antioch. It was the first place in, in the entire world where Gentiles and Jews went to church together. That was nuts. Never been done before. So they weren't worried about maintaining. And so they were experiencing all of these things. But not only did they the first place to have Gentiles and Jews, but they were they became a movement. Rather than just a church, in fact, the entire church changed as a result of it. They used to be called the way. Back in Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You know, the church was called the way because it was a sanctification message. It was there are ways that you live out this life and thank God for sanctification messages. People living right and growing in God. It was good. And that's what Jerusalem and the message to the Jews was a sanctification message. But now the message was changing. And so what they were called in Antioch was the little Jesus movement. Some of us remember the Jesus movement. You say, well, what are you talking about, preacher? Well, they were the first place that they called them Christians. And if you do any search and any study about the word Christian, it means little Jesus, little Christ. And so what happened was that the message in Antioch became not a sanctification message, but a Christ in you message. And so it was a movement. I mean, things were happening. Things were really, really going. And so the church in Antioch had become the largest church in the world. Look out, Joel Osteen. It was happening, and things were going great. Now, what would happen in America if you've got a movement? You've got the largest church in the world. And things are happening. What would happen in America? What we would do is we would buy the biggest. We would just buy the field house. We just say, look out, Trojans. We're just going to come and we're going to meet in the field house every Sunday because we can. We're a big church. We got money. We can do what we want. And, and then we'd start sending out people to start going other places so they'd be a part of our movement. And we'd call it the the New Covenant movement. And we'd try to get churches to attach themselves to the New Covenant movement. That's what we would do because we're consumers and it's all about us. But that's not what Antioch did because they were built on a apostolic foundation. The commission that Jesus gave was not to stay the commission was to go to go into all the world and so when the holy spirit spoke they listened and they set aside their very best teachers to go Say, what? Say, what? How many of you kind of can see what we're talking about? I've been at my church for 29 years. I started that baby. And you know what I have to be called in my church? I'm Pastor Bill Roberts. I have no more pastoral gift in me than a man in the moon. People come to me and say, oh, Pastor, I'm having such a rough time. I say, well, get over it. What's the matter with you? for years they 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 made these things put it in my office it said you know whenever you come in to my office for counseling it would say number 1 just stop it <laughs> number 2 refer to number 1 <laughs> i'm not a pastor but what, but the only gifting that is honored in america is the gift of the pastor. And so what happens is I have to be Pastor Bill Roberts. I'm not a pastor, but it's the only way I can get paid. (laughs) Can you imagine if I came in to my church and said, all right, brothers and sisters, things are going really, really good here. They're going so good here, I'm going to go to France. I tried that. <laughs> and you know what they said? I found out later. You know, some of you know my boy got killed this summer. And, and so with my grandchildren, I felt like I was going to have to postpone my plans to go to France. And so I came in and said, well, folks, you know, there have been, been some changes. I'm going I'm to have to stay. And you know what? People started coming up to me and saying, well, it's a good thing you're staying because we didn't want to go through the last year of you being here. And so we'd already decided we're leaving. We're leaving. I said, well, don't you like the church? We love the church, but you're leaving and we don't want to go through that. And so can you imagine? When the church in Antioch was just going great guns, growing every day, just seeing all kinds, brand new movement. And the Holy Spirit says, send me um, your best. Send me your best. And when they said it, you know what happened? They said, we want you to go. We're for you to go. We want you to go. Somebody needs to say hallelujah. Man, because they were an apostolic church. What kind of church are we going to be? Yes, apostolic, man. Are we going to hang on to our best for ourselves? Or are we going to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit to go? To win the lost. To win a region. You know, back... About 1992, man, our church, our church exploded. We had some tremendous miracles. We had 100 people coming from Newcastle, clear over to Shirley. The things were just going, just great guns. And we had a word from the Lord that we were supposed to start little churches, house churches, in every community in East Central Indiana in every community. But you know what happened? It got going so great that what we decided is that we needed to start keeping those young men and those young girls that were really on fire for God and had a calling on their life. We decided that we needed them to stay there. And you know what? Most of those young people are not walking in their calling. You want to know why? Because we... We lived in a consumer mentality. We lived in a pastoral foundation. It was all about building this great edifice to Bill Roberts. Rather than a church with an apostolic foundation building something to give to God. You hear what I'm saying today? What are you going to do with your best? What are you gonna do with your best? You gonna keep them or are you gonna release them? All right. Don't shout me down while I'm preaching good. All right. All right, let's go to the church in Ephesus. Turn over to Acts chapter 19. Are you okay? I promise you, another 10 minutes, I'll release you. No hurry, man. Acts 19. Verses 8 through 10. Now, this is amazing. Amazing. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way, so Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years, so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Now, the church in Ephesus, an apostolic church, was an equipping church. Antioch was a sending church. Ephesus was an equipping church. Now, when Paul came to Ephesus, he ministered in the same way that he always did. Now, what he would do is he would come into town and he would find the synagogue. And he would go there because he could always get a chance to preach in the synagogue. Why is that? It's because he had a diploma from the Harvard of, the di- of his day. Okay, He had like the best diploma you could have. He was a student of Gamaliel. And even today, if you do Jewish study, you're going to read Gamaliel because he was like one of the most fantastic rabbis that ever was. And because Paul was his student, had a diploma, he could go to any synagogue in the world and get a chance to preach. And it would go great for about three weeks. And then he would say, well, you know that guy you've been waiting for, the Messiah? His name's Jesus, and you crucified him. And not only that, he raised from the dead, and they say you nuts. And then they'd kick him out. Well, because he was a little, a little on the ornery side, he wouldn't go start you know something new on the other side of town. He would go next door <laughs> to where every day when people came in to go to school, they'd go right by where they used to go to church. His little ornery. You need to study Paul a bit. He was definitely ornery. But, so he moved next door and set up a school of ministry where he taught for two years. Now, I want you to look at the result. In two years' time, Paul's students, it wasn't Paul. What was he doing every day? Teaching in his school. But in two years' time, Paul's student had taken the gospel to the entire region of Asia. Now, if you do any kind of study, you're going to find that that region of Asia is today's modern Turkey. In two years, the entire nation of Turkey, every person, every Jew, and every Gentile, every Person had heard the gospel two years listen I've been in Shirley for 29 years and my town hasn't all heard about Jesus why because we're built on the foundation of the pastor and the pastor says all we want to do is we want to get people to come to our church and we've got five other churches in Shirley, so you don't want to step on anybody's toes. And so you don't invite anybody to come to your church because you don't want anybody to invite your people to their church. And all we're doing is built on the wrong foundation. Can somebody say, Amen. Ouch! We need to become an apostolic church that equips every single person in our church to not stay but to go the goal was not to build a church in ephesus that was not the goal the goal was to present a region to god An apostolic church equips the saints for the expansion of the kingdom. Now, this is a scary message. You say, no, it isn't. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Thank God you paid off your building. Because what I'm talking about is so radical that what would happen if we would say, I know you love your church. I know you love New Covenant Worship Center. But there's a little church over in, I mean, there's a little town called Hagerstown just down the road here. We need some people that'll go. That's right. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's a place down Connersville that's just so depressed that they don't have anything happening down there. We need some people to go to Connersville. Right. And what if somebody came to you and said, man, we'd re- we really don't want you to come to church here anymore. Because we see the calling of God in your life, and we want you to spend the next two years being equipped so that you can start a church over in Winchester. We believe in you. We believe in your gift. And we know that you love God, and we can trust you, and we want you to go, you and your family. That's pretty radical, isn't it? But what if we're only 50 people here? Thank God if we're going, if we're doing it, if we're changing. The goal is not to build a church, but to present a region. All right, let's go to the last one. You're not going to like this one. We're going to look at the church in Philippi. So go over to Philippians chapter 4. Now, before you go there, I know you don't know me very well. Okay, so when we start talking about this, you're going to say, oh, he's one of them. <laughs> and I want to guarantee you that I'm not one of them. and what, Because I'm going to tell you that the, an apostolic church is a giving church. You say, ah, oh, it's coming down to money. I see it. When you come to my church, these guys will testify to you that when we have our offering, we have an offering. Every Sunday morning, I say, if you're visiting with us, please do not put any money in this plate. Our building has been paid off for a long time. And I tell people, do not give in this offering. How can we do that? Because our people, they're giving people. They're blue-collar people just like you. And they've learned to tithe, and they're good givers. And I never talk about giving, do I? I'm going to talk about it today (laughs) because we got to change our foundation. And it won't get changed because Jesus says where where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And I'm going to show you that we're never going to change the foundation. We're never going to dig down in those deep, deep wells. We're never going to bring the gold out until we let go of the gold in our hand. Mm. It's the key, it's not the most popular. All right, Ephesians chapter four, I'm gonna start with verse ten. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Instead you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Two of our favorite verses in all the Bible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How many of you like that one? And then, my God will meet all your needs. You like that one? I like that one. They both have to do with apostolic foundation giving. Now, Philippi was the first city in Europe to receive the gospel. Now, that's, that's precious to me because... Because I'm called to France. And uh, without this little town here, Philippi, France would have never been reached for Jesus. But Paul planted a small church with a group of women by the riverbank. And he only stayed there a short time. Before he had a deliverance session out in the middle of the street and he landed in jail. You guys know the story. But this church received their apostle as a father and believed in the vision of seeing the kingdom expand through the region. So Paul moved throughout Greece. He went down to Corinth. He went down to Athens preaching the gospel. And the Philippians, they weren't concerned about building a great local church. They wanted to be those that stood before God offering all of Greece to God. Every ethnic Greek offered before God. And so they didn't hang on to their money. They sent it to their apostle who was out doing the stuff and expanding the kingdom in Corinth and Athens throughout the entire region. And so time and time again, they send him offerings to take care of his needs. Now, the matter of giving to apostolic gifting will show more than anything what kind of church you are. Because I'm going to tell you how it works. Works the same in my church as it probably works in yours. We believe in taking East Central Indiana for Jesus. We believe in that. But if we have a chance of supporting a young person at $500 a month for part-time work or buying a new microphone because our sound system needs it, we're going to buy a microphone. Or if we've got a chance of really sending a couple to another town in our region or our young people need to go down to Acquire the fire. We're going to send them to acquire the fire. Why? Because we're consumers. Because we don't want anybody to leave. And if we're not bouncing in the bounce house, thank God for bounce houses. I'm not messing with you. I'm not. This church has an apostle. It's not me, so you can relax. (laughs) He's not here all the time. Not here anymore. What are you doing? Just asking, what are you doing? Because the apostle of this church is tent-making at the moment. And every time we want to meet, we have to figure out what his work schedule is so that we can talk about taking the region. Why? Because he doesn't have pastor in front of his name anymore. Yeah? This is
0: rough.
1: It's true. That's it's rough. But if we're gonna redig the foundations, if we're gonna go down into the deep, deep wells to pull out the goal, what we need to become is we need to jack this thing up, this beautiful house that you've got. We need to jack it up. We need to get it up. High enough to where we can get it back on the right foundation. And the right foundation is an apostolic foundation that says it's not about building a church. It's about bringing a region to God. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? And you know what? This is a church that believes in, in sowing and reaping. And once you begin to sow in good ground, it comes back to you. I'm not telling you that you're not going to have a great church. You're going to have a great church. You're always going to have a great church. But what we've got to get to the place is where we're sowing in the right place so that the harvest comes back right. Yeah. Amen. We can't be consumers. I'm grateful for beautiful carpet and a clean church and buildings that are paid for and all the things that we do. But brothers and sisters, that's not why we
0: exist.
1: We don't exist just for worship. We don't exist just for teaching. We don't exist for fellowship dinners and small groups. We don't exist for discipleship. We exist so that in that day we'll be able to offer a region to God. That's why we exist. That's why this church exists. That's why Christ fellowship and wellspring exists, so that we can offer a region. To God. How many of you believe that it's time to get back to digging the wells? Getting back to those places because this church was built on an apostolic foundation. It's not a strange word to you, it's something you know. But that consumer mentality is so rampant that we all drift into it. It's time that we stop. Amen? Can I pray for you? And then I'll turn it over to Eric. Lord Jesus, I thank you for New Covenant Worship Center. I thank you for the years of existence. I thank you for the years that they've been in the streets helping people and showing the love of Jesus in practical ways. I thank you, God, for the way that they have believed in the prophetic and believed in the apostolic. And I pray, Lord, now that as they begin to move according to the prophetic word that they've received, even within the last few months, I thank you, Lord, for the apostolic increase in this church. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us all to get a burden for souls, get a burden to go, get a burden for those other countries, for those other ethnic groups, for the people, for the people of different ethnic groups that are right here in our town. And that we would begin to be those people that know that we're called to go. And I pray this in
0: Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's say uh, praise the Lord for that. Amen. Good word. Good word. Thank you, Lord. Now let me challenge you with this. How many will admit or have felt convicted that, I have been a consumer. I've made it about me. Yeah. Let's just close our eyes. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that mentality? Are you going to keep it? Or are you going to let it go? Are you going to ask the Lord to expose it in a greater way even this week and hang on to it? Or how are you going to reverse that curse and not making it about you? Because that's really what apostolic foundation is all about, about going, about making it about other people, about making it about what God has, bringing an inheritance to the Lord. How are you presently in your life, Bringing an inheritance to the Lord with your life. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, as you are shifting our mentality, our thinking. Father, we commit as a church to the foundation of the apostles and prophets at New Covenant. And Father, I thank you that you have given this church a gift of Lynn Furrow as an apostle over this house. And Father, I, I we repent on how we have not allowed him to be the spiritual father that he needs to be here. And so, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that God, we would, we would even begin to say, God, how. Do you want us to bless him? How do you want us to make him a part of this house in a greater measure? And so, Father, we thank you for this timely word that Bill has brought. I thank you, God, as you're reestablishing a great foundation under our, our house. Father, I thank you that it shall bring forth an inheritance to you, a people set apart for your glory. So, Lord, I just pray that you would do a work in our hearts. Change the way we think. And, Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. I want to bless you. Um, we are having Lynn in uh, in February. I believe the date is, Tom, do you remember, like the 13th or something of February? Third, seven, 17th of February. We're having him in 17th of fe- February. And uh, I would even be asking you uh, to pray on how the Lord would have you in February, maybe even sow a a seed into uh, Lynn's life. You have a whole month to even say, okay, God, how am I to, because he is, he's working a part-time job because, because of what Bill just shared today. It's crazy. That guy should be fully released to do apostolic work in this region he should be meeting with other pastors and other churches in this region and fully released <clears throat> currently we're giving a monthly uh, a monthly as a church to him already but uh, we as people need to begin to give can i have an amen on that Amen. So may the Lord bless you and keep you, and may you have a blessed day today. But allow this. I'd encourage you to go back on the podcast. Allow this message. I'm telling you, this is not a one-time message. Can I have an amen on this? This needs to marinate in us. Let everybody say marinate. We need to have it marinate in us because there's a changing, there's a shifting of our mentality that must take place in order for this to happen. Can you get that? And so we just... Let it get inside of you. And bless uh, Bill and, and Denny and his wife uh, as you leave. Uh, we love you. And, yes, Carmen, you had an announcement? Okay. 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 I
2: asked. You, you've already got it. Okay. Um, as Bill's sharing, I'm just stirring And um, I think as a congregation, because I'm sitting there, and, and like, how 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 do we do this? And it all really boils down to contentment. And as I was dreaming, I don't remember the dream, but Scott told me two days ago, he said, you were talking in your dream with authority. And as you said, you said, it's about contentment, and everybody needs to know it. One, two, three. And I didn't say anything else, but as you're talking about go, I mean, what do you say after one, two, three? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to share this, Lord. So it's it's just a vision of start praying in your heart, because what I've been praying in my heart is simplicity. Lord, teach me simplicity in my home and saving money. And and discontentment actually has come into my heart in the last two months, strong. This just desire for things and, and cars and stuff and houses and a bigger this and a bigger that. And God does that when he's getting something out of you. And so... I'm just encouraging all of you to start pray, praying about contentment the way Paul received contentment and and the way he understood it because we love that nice verse that says um, you know God will strengthen me in everything read all the verses before it and it 's about contentment mm-hmm. and so he's going to give you the strength for contentment so we don't cons- we aren't consumed by this consumerism because that's their job mm-hmm. is to make us con- discontent Absolutely. So.
0: Amen. I'll, I, I, very good. Thank you, Carmen. And, and, and along with that, when we have consumerism, because here's what's going to happen. It's not that I'm going to go away. It's, it's it, and, and, and people, when it's consumer, oh, what's this mean that Pastor Eric's going to leave? That's not what this is. Consumerism will make you fear what you're going to lose. It's not that I'm going to go away. It's going to, we're going to build on a foundation of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher more completely so that the body of Christ might be complete, mature, lacking nothing. Amen. And so you got to realize consumerism makes you fear loss because it's about you. But contentment says it's not about me, and I'm satisfied. I can be content. Can I have an amen on that? And so don't allow fear. Even the whole message I've been teaching on rejection, it ties all into this because you can feel rejected when it's not about you. Oh, what about me and my little problem? Well, I want to say like Bill, go to point number one. Get over it. And then point number two, go back to point number one. Because it isn't about you. Grow up. God said this year was going to be a year we're going to clean our lives up and move forward and go. And it's not just so that you can get your life cleaned up and feel better about yourself and go kumbaya, my Lord, kumbaya. No, it's about that you might be able to affect others. And this going thing can happen. Or otherwise, we'll retreat and the church will get smaller and smaller and smaller and we'll have what's happening in Europe. (laughs) where the church doors are closing, like Bill began to share. Amen? So you guys ready? You fired up? Amen. Get it in us. So go in the name of Jesus right now. Go and be blessed. Reach people that you're around and love them with the love of Jesus. Don't make it about you today. Make it about somebody else. Can I have an amen on that? Go and be blessed in Jesus' name.